Crossy Posse Packer Nation. Welcome to an episode of Packcast, the podcast where you don't have to be a Packers fan, but it sure does help. I'm your host, Tom Grassi, and today, mm, oh, today, we have the man, the myth. Some would say the legend. I would say the mythological icon. We got number 87, the current tight end for the Green Bay Packers, the future at the position, Mr. Jace Sternberger. Jace, thank you so much for coming on. How was the intro? <laughs> uh, way more deserving. Thank you. Uh, I, don't, I don't deserve that. <laughs> thank you. It's it, hu- uh, humble, too. All right, I'll include that in the outro, that he was also humble. I will make a note about that right now, and that uh, will play great with the fan base. No, Jace, I really appreciate you coming on as you make the rounds around the Packers uh, media. Yes, yeah, to say, uh, I feel like this is a great time, you know, to get to know get to know some more Packer fans and uh, let them know a little more about me. Absolutely, and that is what we are here to do. Um, and so, like, obviously, you know, crazy things going on in the world at the moment. Um, and so, a lot of people are turning to podcasts, Netflix, any kind of content that they can possibly digest while they are currently staying at home, like the majority of us. And obviously it is full blown draft season. How the draft is not going to be, you know, a physical draft this year, more of a virtual draft. And so during this time, you know, this is where every single commentator and analyst comes out of the woods and starts ranking different players. There's mock drafts everywhere, etc. And obviously you went through this process last year. So, I just wanted to kind of like the first question I had for you was I saw that you were on the um, the Justin Dunning podcast uh, a few years ago and you were talking about yep. how analysts were kind of like hating on you a little bit like coming out of college because they were comparing to you guys you know like TJ Hawkinson or, or Noah Font and and I, I kind of was curious like on your take obviously there's like from the creator's perspective and the media perspective but like what is your take on that like how much attention do you give to like those analysts quote unquote ranking you? Uh, rankings, I didn't really, I didn't really pay attention to any of it just because, you know, my whole, my whole cliche has been, you know, I've been the underdog, I've been, you know, the one who's been overlooked. So it's like, I kind of just got it trained mentally just to not pay attention to stuff like that. Cause it's like, okay, like none of that matters when like we're one-on-one or like you get put in the biggest moment, like it's all about if you can perform. And so I would always just make sure that I was, I could check that box and then I, I didn't pay too much attention to all that. It was simply, you know, just added, I wouldn't say fuel to the fire because that makes it look like I'm paying attention to it. But, yeah. you know, sometimes when it's, when it gets thrown in your face and it's like, I bet, like, <laughs> like, you know, the whole Mac, the whole Mackie thing, it like, that wasn't the first time, like, I didn't even all stay in high school. Like, yeah. I literally got snubbed on that, snubbed in Kansas, didn't get to play. You know, it was like, it's just kind of a, you know, it's just, it was like a reoccurring thing. And so I was like, I just, I was used to overcoming things and proving people wrong. So it really just kind of adds fuel to the fire. Yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, it creates like, and you've mentioned this before, like a, a little bit of a chip, right? And I feel like, you know, it, it can be like some motivation because, you know, people have said even, you know, comparing it to this draft, you know, there's not a ton of, you know, high end tight end prospects coming out of college uh, this year. And, you know, you came out in a draft where, there's two guys that were taken in the first round, right? There was, the, you know, right. Hawkinson was, you know, picked top 10. And, and I feel like, you know, you, you've come out and said that like, you don't compare yourself to other players and that makes complete and total sense because you just need to worry about you and, you know, being the best player that you can possibly be. Um, you know, so like 
whether it was the transition from college into the NFL, which obviously is a much bigger spotlight, you know, do you kind of like, while there is so much noise, like, is it almost impossible to like filter out all of it just because there's just so much of it? No, uh, like I said, and I'm a sports fan. So like, I, I enjoy that stuff to an extent. Like, I know like, you know, it's one, it's one of those things, like, I'm not saying I know the answers to the test about yeah. it, but, like, when I see, like, them writing that stuff, like, I know, like, it's their job. That's what they have to write. Like, I'm, like, I'm too realistic about it. You know, like, I have to, yeah. be, the, I have to be extra and the annoying one, like, always add points about it. Like, I know, like, why they're writing the stuff. And it's, like, I also know, like, I, I like how it's always been like that for years. And I, 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 like, every time that there's a critic, I always know an example of a player who's overturned that critic. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. beat the stereotypes. And so, I, 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 I enjoy keeping up with it. Like, if you, literally, that's the thing Jimbo told me. Like, you know, if you were thinking about, uh, if you would stay another year, you'd easily be the first, like, first tight end taken in the class. He's like, I've never lied to you. Like, I promise you that. Like, that was, said religiously in our uh, my parents know but they met with uh like i said we met with jimbo at uh, a&m you know and that's literally what he talked about you know he's like i promise you, you'll be the first time in taking this next class and it was one of those things like that just kind of shows like i just really didn't care about the rankings i knew what i was capable of and like it came down to all the things that i was getting criticized for and not being ready for i didn't feel like i needed to go through another year of college to you know, master that. Like, I felt like if I'm with some, if I can do football 24 mm-hmm. seven, no class, no extracurricular activities. Like, let's just be honest, Green Bay, you know, we don't have that much uh, <laughs> social life going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I know exactly what you're saying. Compared to Houston or Dallas, you know, being in Texas. Sure. And it was just, it was just, it just made too much sense. Yeah. I was like, I can I can just overachieve. I'll be with full time coaches, grown men who have been playing this job. Like I'll literally be at school for football. Like why would I not do it? And it was yeah, it was one of the things. Like I knew like it was, I wouldn't take a four year college to achieve that. On that that thought process, like a tiny bit. So for like you, it obviously made like a ton of sense because you're saying you're coming in from a perspective of listen, one, I can go and achieve my dreams and play football twenty four seven as my literal career. Who the hell wouldn't want to do that? And I get to do it early. Right. Hell yeah. Right. And then on the other point, you're also looking at it of like the improvements that I need to make in my game you know, it's not going to be a dramatic shift. You know, one year is not right. going to be it like, oh my God, he's a, like, you know, he's a, the greatest tight end we've ever seen in the world. I can go and still play up to a really high level coming out as a junior. Yeah, player. like, basically, what what they're saying is holding me back, or what is, uh, what is my weakness, whatever, or what is that, wasn't like, I didn't feel like it was going to take away from my six, like, where I was at at the moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. can still... Like that just meant I could tap into, I had just so much untapped uh, in potential that I could just, you know, go into. And so it wasn't like I was losing anything by staying, by leaving, you know what I'm saying? Like I was still going to be good, but like I had the opportunity, you know, to be great. And I was like, like really that's why I made the decision to leave early. You see, so, I mean, like, so when we're talking about it, cause like I, um, I've, I've been a teacher for five years. So like I'm a social studies teacher. And so like, it's one of those things that, you know, you're, you're telling you like you're bouncing it off of your dad. You know, I think like, that's like, 
it, that's great because like not every person has like that opportunity to have someone like in their corner that they have a great relationship with who has like gone through all the experience. Right. And whether it's like helping right. and mentoring kids and now they get to do it for their own kid and be like, listen, like I, I have an idea, you know, I'm not going to force you to take my advice, but like I can at least give you solid advice, you know, as someone who has looked out for kids their entire career. I mean, like that has well, to be like a, a, a great notch on the belt. I mean, that, that, that's like his job. Like that was the bias of, you know, just being a father, but really like where I had his trust, like, I mean, on the business side of things, like he's literally, you know, school superintendent, he, he interviews teachers every day. Like he's constantly interviewing principals, you know, people who, you know, they need high character to have that job. Mm -hmm. And so he's evaluating people 24 seven. And so I was like, I'm not like, I have to let them, he has to meet them first, like, because he reads people every day. I mean, so it was like, that's where, that's why I had so much trust in him, you know, not just because he's my dad, but because, like, you know, he really does evaluate people 24-7. Yeah, yeah. And and speaking of evaluation, so you're going through this process and you're having, you know, you're at the Combine and you're having daily conversations with Coach Out and J.O. Uh, during the Combine. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about the media before and how, like, you have people who look at tape, and, like, I, I'll admit, like, I do this, too. Like, I look at tape, and I'm like, oh, I think this player, you know, could be good here, here, whatever. And, you know, they look at the tangibles in which they're like, okay, this person has, like, this height, this weight, this arm length, you know, this speed, you know, the 40-yard dash has become a, it, it's an, an event all on its own, right? And it's, it's like, a, a talking point of, like, this is sometimes, like, can, you know, sink or swim with a player. So... Like, besides, like, the tangibles, you know, for you, of, like, being a, a great receiver coming out of college, can you, like, kind of allude to or try to pinpoint, like, what the Packers were attracted to with you besides just, like, your tape? Uh, you know, I think they could, since my work ethic, maybe, uh, you know, I really just, uh, we had a lot of good conversations, you know, not just about football, but just kind of like, you know, values and, you know, not necessarily right or wrong, it was never that deep, but at the same time, you know, it was, they wanted to know, you know, you, you got to have a good person before you can have a good player. And sure. so, you, you know, that's what they value. And that's why, you know, I think we were so successful this year with our team chemistry. Yeah. I mean, cause like, I mean, you've obviously been on other podcasts talking about like the culture, everybody's read about like how great the culture has been like in that locker room. And, and I feel like when it comes to, you know, the, the quote unquote, like analysts and people like looking of like where people are going to go, it's those intangible things that makes it so difficult. Like, and why the vast majority of mock drafts are wrong because teams like you're talking about, like they're asking you about your values, about your work ethic, your attitude. And that's kind of stuff that not necessarily you can't see that on tape, you know? And I feel like that's like one of those things that's forgotten about. And that's also like a main driving factor because, you know, every single team has scouts, every single team is looking into players and looking at tape, but it's like those one-on-one -on -one conversations that they can have with you that could make or break if they're going to draft you or not. Exactly. So I, I just find like, I find that super interesting because like, again, you know, I think it also kind of just like points to like the media a little bit. And it's like, listen, like we're here for like entertainment kind of aspect, but you know, listen, I know like my mock draft is not going to be a hundred percent accurate. I can say that with strong conviction. Um, and <laughs> right. it, it's just interesting to hear from someone who's obviously like gone through the process. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I simply look at it as 
one. Like it's just a fun, you know, bet. You just get to make with you just you get to make a bet with like yourself, I guess. Because there's literally, you know, you got your ideas for like the first three ticks, but yeah. after that, it could be anything. Like oh, it, yeah. no one knows. Yeah, hundred like, percent. Coaches don't even know. It. Like you know, they they literally just don't know until the ticks made. So I mean, how can you know kind of believe what people are saying? You know, until then. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, even like, you know, Baker Mayfield, you know, picked first a few years ago and like everyone was like, this is not going to happen. Like Baker wasn't even like there. And, you know, so sometimes they can even get like the first pick wrong. But yeah, you know, it, it definitely provides like some entertainment value. And like and that gets to us talking about like the NFL media. So like you dealt with, you know, obviously like college football media, then NFL media. So like kind of like what is your overall view on the media? Is it like person by person? It, it varies case by case are like they just like this entity that just like you know supplies this demand you know for this content or satisfies that demand for the content um and do you think like it can improve in any way from a player's perspective uh no i, I respect the media like i said i got as a sports fan you know i i love what the media i've always wanted to know what the media has to say like like let's be real you know they, they literally do get the best information you know or as close as it's going to get besides yeah. the real thing you know and so, you know, like, I, like, I respect him, you know, and I, I think it's unique. I've, I'm used to meeting new people every day, you know, and building relationships and, you know, someone has the time that they want to interview me and, you know, find out something about me or, you know, my teammates, like, you know, I think that's usually a pretty good thing. So I don't have a problem with it. And then, you know, there's always some you know, cases where people get bad relationships with players or, you know, one guy's opinions might be a little more annoying, you know, sure. but at the end of the day, it's like, I have a hard time, you know, not being not being rude to anybody, but, you know, if you haven't been in my shoes or you don't know, like, what I do, you know, practice and, and practice and stuff, like, I don't take it too personal, like, if you have an opinion about me, you know. It's one of those things, like, it, it'll be listened to, and, you know, I'll respect you, you respect me, but at the end of the day, you know, like, I, if I gave you an opinion about your writing at the end of the day, it really wouldn't bother you because I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't, you know, do it for yeah. anything. And so, I, 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 you know, but... It's, it's just a respect thing to me. Yeah, because again, you're just like, I'm here, you're there, you know, you do your thing, I'm going to do my thing. <laughs> and like, again, we can have conversations about it and, and, you know, respectfully, but at the end of the day, you know, there's a reason why I'm doing what you, what I'm doing and you're doing what you're doing. Exactly. And it's like, we're both, so let's just both respect each other and then, you know, civil and then if, if y'all, if it's a good match, you know, and you guys, it's all, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So the the Packers um, did not bring in another tight end via free agency. Uh, they obviously brought back Mercedes Lewis. Um, and and my question to you is, and this might be like a super quick answer, but so being that you are one of the few tight ends that are on the roster, and obviously you know the Packers spent a, a good amount of draft capital and you drafting in the third round, does this put like? any more or additional pressure on you to be like the future, you know, at that position, obviously Jimmy is gone. Um, or is it kind of just like business as usual? I'm going to go out and be the best I can possibly be. Uh, I just think it's a really good opportunity, you know, uh, put in a very good situation with a very good offense, very good quarterback. Uh, so I, I literally look at it as just a great opportunity, you know, control what you can control and then, you know, let the rest fall in place. Yeah, and, and I, it's interesting because, like, I feel like, you know, the the thing that comes up all 
the time. Like you look at our tight end room last year, right? You looked at guys like Mercedes Lewis, who could absolutely make clutch, you know, receiving plays. Um, but was he's like in another on another planet, like when it comes to blocking. Like he's he's a fantastic blocker. And then, you know, you have Jimmy, who was brought in for the Packers, not necessarily for his his blocking acumen, but more for his being a receiving threat, a red zone threat, etc. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, to kind of get your take on it because you came out of college and, you know, when asked of like, you know, which part of your game do you want to see improvement receiving or blocking? You were like, it, it's obvious it's blocking. And the, the reps that you got last year, you had a lot of opportunities to block, right? So whether it was playing fullback or whether it was like getting those one-on-one blocks. And I think I'm just like, I'm curious on like, how do you feel about like the Packers decision to utilize you more as a blocker, you know, and become more of like a holistic player rather than like immediately, you know, put your receiving skills, you know, like and and excel that and focus on that. Uh, You know, it was all about trust from day one, you know, that that's, I mean, that's in anything. Like you got to be able to trust them before you can, you know, let them do it and, you know, passing is a vital part in our offense. And so, you know, Aaron has to have the absolute most trust. And, uh, you know, blocking, it's not, I'm not going to say it's easier to learn, but there's a lot more, I feel like there's a lot more details in the route running, especially with 12, than there is, you know, blocking. So I proved that was just the one way. That was my first opportunity, you know, to prove myself. And so I took it and just ran with it. That was, that's the way I saw myself of, because I knew eventually, you know, the passes were going to come. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's that's part of it. But I was like, let me dominate this game that everybody's, you know, doubting about. Just say everything else will fall in place. Yeah. And, and, and obviously, you know, coming into this year, the, you, <laughs> you're going to be more of a focal point on the offense. And, you know, I have just read nothing but how you are just going to be like our main slot guy, you know, in these past few days, it's just blown up that you're just going to be the number one guy there. I mean, like, listen, you know, Randall Cobb, you're just going to take his spot and you're going to be playing primarily in the slot. Isn't that right? Yeah, no, that's not true at all. (laughs) It's, uh, it's just funny. I say not getting moved to slot. Someone literally tagged me on Instagram today. I was like, Coach Lesmoor says Sternberger's moving the slot. And I was like, geez. But uh, no, that's simply, you know, the more uh, we have a very, uh, very big offense with a lot of opportunities, a lot of different positions. And, you know, the more you, the more you know, the more, you know, opportunities you get. Like, so if we need a fullback, you know, I can prove myself a fullback. And then, you know, Jimmy moved around a lot this year. Mercedes, mm-hmm. like, lined up in the slot this year. Like, I wasn't mean like, I'm a slot receiver. It's more of, like, I'm going to have opportunities, you know, to move around in the slot. Oh. Oh, oh hold on. I, that that ruins all my notes. Okay. Um, sorry, I just have to pivot real quick then. Uh, so you're saying then, because since you're not just being primarily in the slot, you know, that has no impact on the draft whatsoever, you know, as, as drafting like a slot receiver. Because that's, uh, man, I heard a lot about that. So, oof, that's... Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no. Still, still trying to be tied in one. Well, I mean, like, that's what we were talking about too. Like, it, it's one of those things that we're... I, Obviously, given the times, you know, there's there's more of a desperate demand for content more than ever. But like, you know, I think it's like kind of like this simple idea that the more 
practice that you do, the more skilled you are, the more opportunities that you're going to get. And you mentioned it before. So that means that if you prove yourself as a blocker, you'll get opportunities as a blocker. If you prove yourself in the slot, you'll get more opportunities as a slot and vice versa. Exactly. That's all, you know, because we have a very unique offense. You know, you can line up in the slot as a two receiver, the three receiver. You can line up as a wing, as a tight end, as a fullback, you know, the motion guy, the fly guy. And it's just all about how much you know and how much you can show that you can handle. So I just take that. I just look at it as, you know, that's how, what a better way to, you know, earn your quarterback's trust and, you know, show them you can play multiple positions. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and making sure that 12 doesn't get hit probably, you know, helps, goes a long way with that trust too. If you're blocking for him and he doesn't take a sack or doesn't take a big hit, like he's gonna be like, okay, thank you for that. Appreciate that. Um, you know, can't, can't hurt. Um, exactly. And, and so I, I, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is true, but I do want to verify it with you first. Is it true for like a, a hot second you played quarterback in high school? Oh Yeah. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Cause that would have been a super awkward question that I would have had to skip if I got that wrong. So, um, <laughs> yep. I, I, so I heard that like you kind of were moved around a little bit, like you played defense a little bit, you played QB a little bit. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I was, well, like the reason behind it, you know, I was, I was a five, nine, five, eight quarterback my freshman year. And then I literally was six, three by the end of the school year. Like it was a crazy shift. And so like throughout when I made this transition, I was still trying to play quarterback at first. Uh, I was in with the twos on a JV game. Or no, it was, it was a varsity game, but it was just the twos. And I was, like, running, got my shoulder separated, uh, healed from it. But, like, I guess our right tackle was, you know, doing bad. So they moved our current tight end to right tackle. And then they moved me to tight They were like, hey, you want to try tight end? And, yeah, the rest is kind of history. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so like obviously you know it, it, it's a short period but like I, I've heard you talk about you know you're not one of those guys who I mean they you've talked about this on other podcasts and I do not want to you know go over it again but like times where like you're open like everyone's talking about like the wheel route that you're wide open I don't care about that what I'm talking about is like you're not the kind of player that's gonna be like hey Aaron I was open throw to me because again you're just trying to do what you can for the team you're trying to build that trust etc do you think that like part of that like personality comes from even for like a hot second being in the shoes of like a QB or seeing other players you know want to be like the the focus or the spotlight and it's more about the individual than the team that you're like mm, no that's not the route I'm going to go yeah uh you know that's like one thing i i i'm blessed to be a part of green bay for because uh you know, our camp, everybody's, no, there's no hot shots on the team. You know, it's all literally, you know, care for one another, you know, put the team first. And so, you know, I, I haven't been exposed to any of that yet. You know, only been being in the league one year. Everything I saw was, you know, positive all the time. And, you know, we had, a, you know, rough spots, you know, sure. times were bad sometimes. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was never no permanent negativity. It was always like one step forward. You know, we got to stay together. Yeah. And, and that leads to what we talked about this, like a little bit before. Um, so you are part of like an elite group. And what I mean by that is like, there are less than 1700 people on this planet that do what you do that, that play in the national football league. And, and I'm always curious from like a, a player's perspective, does that like when you walk into a locker room, is there kind of like that unspoken like bond slash culture because you like you are one of so many men within that room within that organization 
that you know have the chance to play at this level or at the same time or maybe it's a little bit of both can it kind of be like isolating a little bit like what you were mentioning before talking about that like analysts haven't been in my shoes they don't know you know exactly what i'm going through no i think it's more it's definitely more like a common ground thing is like okay like it's somewhat everybody's gonna somewhat be relatable in a way but you know there's still their differences of like you know because even those guys some guys who make it in the league you know they don't work hard or you know that you you, you kind of like how did you even get here in a yeah. certain way but and so like there's still those differences but for the most part it's like yeah it's like you know it's common ground you know we're all here we're all at the same level like we're all here now it's not about where we're, where we're from or what school we went to like we're all at the same level now so like we gotta win yeah and and i feel like that that that's easy to like at least create a culture in which like you're talking about, there's no, there's no I, right. Like there's not somebody who's like, I need to get this ball. I need to be like, you know, it's all about me. Um, so I feel like that definitely helps, you know, create that common ground and at least maintain it. You know, you can have negative spots, but it, it, it definitely helps in, in some way. So you've been asked a million times about, Oh, did you learn blocking from Mercedes Lewis? And I please don't answer that question anymore. But one of the other things, (laughs) please, please don't answer that question anymore, but we're done with that. But one of the things um, that you had mentioned about like LaFleur talking about like, oh, like, you know, work on your release, what have you. And so then other people are like, oh, we have a great release guy on the team. We have Devontae Adams. And my question is not, you know, geared towards individual players. My question is more, okay, you see that a guy is really good at blocking. You see that a guy is really good at getting a quick release. How does that work? And what I mean by that is like, do you go up to them and they're like, Hey, can you teach me this? Or is it kind of like, I'm just going to learn by watching or is it, I'm not going to approach you at all and I'm going to earn their respect. And then maybe they'll come to me. I mean, Mercedes is different because you know, he's, he's very, I wouldn't say laid back, but he's so calm and cool collected, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. like, you kind of got to like earn his trust, not before he'll give you advice, but you know, you just got to show that you're really in this thing. Like he's not going to waste his breath on me. Like if I'm, you know, bullshit. And so it's like, you know, I had to prove myself, but it usually goes by, you know, you, if you care enough, like you're going to ask questions just like in anything, like in school, if you don't know something, you're going to ask your teacher, you know, for the answer. Like, and I, like, I was like, why the hell would I ask Jimmy Mercedes a hundred questions every day? Like, <laughs> I didn't even care if I was being annoying. Like, granted, like, <laughs> I was, I'm, Mercedes is probably one of the scariest people, but he's like the nicest person. He's just, <laughs> he's just so intimidating. <laughs> like, literally, so it's like, I was still out asking him questions every day. Like, so I was like, they literally have the answers to the test. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like there, there has to be like, yes, like if you're asking like a hundred questions a day, I'll say this as like a teacher, is it eventually going to get annoying? Absolutely. You're going to be a pain in the ass. However, like it also does show that you're interested, right? Like, and that you're, you're buying into this. And I feel like that also, you know, that goes some way with it as well. No, hundred percent. So that, that being said, like just starting to wrap up. So I don't, I don't keep you all day. Um, you know, you've talked about, you know, your work ethic, whether it was here, or other interviews, you talked about, you know, the attitude that you have, like when it comes to like blocking and how you have to have a certain like mindset for it um, or like playing as an underdog or with a chip on your shoulder. Um, if you had to like summarize 
what kind of impact do you want to make on the Green Bay Packers? Uh, I want to go down to someone who fans enjoy to watch because, you know, not only what he did on the field, but, you know, someone, what he did off the field, you know, like someone that their kids could look up to, you know, they, they want to bring their families around and, you know, someone who just really, you know, cares about what he's doing and, you know, at the end of the day, knows that football isn't everything and, you know, there's a real life after football and, you know, everyone matters. And, you know, I, I really believe that, you know, treat everybody how you want to be treated and then, you know, good things will happen. Yeah, and and I think, like, that that has to be, like, one of the best ways to possibly look at football and that, like, there will be a time, you know, it's not, hopefully not for a very long time, you know, that this is going to be done, right? In which, like, your your career eventually, hopefully it'll be, you know, with a resounding success that it'll eventually be done. And what we'll have after that is, like, those relationships that you've made with players, with fans, with organizations, with cities, and things like that. And that's the kind of stuff that, like, transcends football. I mean, oh, 100%. Because, you know, just like anything, you can, if you over if you over-assess or, you know, overemphasize about something for so long, like, you're going to... You're gonna go crazy. So like, you got, I got this whole time. I've been trying to, you know, all not prepare myself. But like, you can't control, you can't control injuries. You can't control like viruses going around. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like you can only put so much into this. You know, you got to put your your all into it at the same time. But it's like, you know, it can all be taken away from you. So you just really have to respect the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that that's. You know, I think that's what makes it, you know, whether it's any sport or like even like any profession, you know, there'll be a day where it's done. And, you know, hopefully you can just look back and be like, this was, you know, some of the best times of my life. And now, you know, I, I'm prepared to to have a new chapter after football. Um, and, and I think it seems like, you know, what you're talking about, like you've kind of been preparing for that for a while. And, uh you know, I, th- I think you'll not only have a very successful career in Green Bay, but also, you know, afterwards for whatever uh, you sh- decide to endeavor in. Um, and and that brings me to, like, the, the last point. So you have um, a, a pretty remarkable story um, when it comes to your childhood and dealing with illness. And you, you one of your, your best friends growing up, uh, Alfonso tragically pass away from cancer and I, I know that you mentioned that you were interested in starting a uh, a charity and one of the people that obviously you you knew very closely was Jimbo Fisher uh who had his own charity can you kind of like speak and, and kind of just like tell fans kind of like where um you hope to eventually you know or what you hope to eventually create you know outside of football that you know can make a positive impact on the community and those suffering with with illnesses yeah so uh jimbo's son was diagnosed with this uh horrible uh bone disease that was non-curable it had like a seven percent chance of uh you know surviving and uh just because there's no funds for it there was no research being done for it it was just it just wasn't a priority and you know uh this is when jimbo i think he either just got the job at lsu or it was early in his career i remember so you know don't fact check me on that <laughs> but uh <laughs> he um you know he just he's literally doing this on the side and tells the doctor like hey i'm gonna start a foundation i'm gonna raise money for it and 
I guess she kind of laughed it off, like, who the hell are you? You know, like, you know how much this is going to cost? And yeah. he was kind of like, yeah, he's like, do you know who the hell I am? <laughs> One of those, he didn't say that, but he was joking like he did. And it was just, uh, so he's like, he's like, at the end of the day, you know, football, I love football to death. And like, and Jimbo's crazy. I love him to death, but he's crazy, crazy, crazy. But, so, and he's like the most dedicated person to football I've ever seen. And if he's telling me that I need to have a downtime and a life outside of it, it's like, you know, I, I, you have to because he does this whole other thing for his son. And it's, I think it's now it's at a 97% cure rate ever since he started the wow. foundation. And, uh, you know, he doesn't force it upon any people, but it's, uh, he offers it to his team every year. He offers his team, uh, an opportunity that they can, give blood to find out they're a match for a bone marrow and it's you know it's for kids who are battling with bone disease and you know he'll have players who are a match and you know they agree and it's just a special thing and you know that really just inspired me to you know I showed I shared my story with him about Alfonso and the whole foundation you know they were open arms so you know the idea of me starting something and you know I just you know, no kids should have to go through cancer. No kids should have to go before their parents, you know, and watching Alfonso, you know, a 12-year-old kid talk to me about how it's going to be okay and talking about death, you know, it really just, you know, it really inspired me to, um, you know, just be there for them because, you know, no kids should have to go through something like this alone. And uh, so I found out about St. Jude's, how, you know, they donate to family, they pay for the families who can't afford medical bills. And, you know, that was really just, that's what made me like, okay, there, I need to have a foundation for this. I need to start something because there's more families like this out there that, you know, you can help make a bigger impact on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, we very much look forward. I mean, we do, on podcasts, you know, we, we, we give to charities a, a good amount. We, we try to give back to the community. Um, and, you know, definitely, as I mentioned to you before, you know, like hit me up whenever that gets created. Um, and we would absolutely love to, to raise some money for that cause. And for, for this episode, you know, whatever we wind up making on ad revenue, um, I'm happy to, to donate it to Jimbo Fisher's cause because that just sounds like an awesome and it's working. It, like it's like a great cause and it's yeah. working, you know, to go from yeah. those kind of percentages is just insane. Yes, so he's uh, very, very thankful for that. So thank you. All right, man. I I greatly, greatly appreciate you taking the time, uh, coming on the show, uh, and 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 talking about you and giving people a chance to know you better. Um, and so with that being said, obviously, you know we're not in the midst of football season right now. However, you do plenty of things outside of football. Uh, so please tell me and tell the people where they can find everything Jay Sternberger to get to know you even better. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is the same. It's underscore Jay Stern. And then my Twitch is jstern87. Awesome. Awesome. And and are you like relatively active on Twitch? Yeah, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm getting pretty active on Twitch. <laughs> I mean, at this point, where else are we going, right? Like we, we got exactly. at, at this point. But Jace, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really, really appreciate it. I wish you and your family well. Stay safe, stay healthy during this time. And we all really look forward to seeing what you can do on the field this season.
Thank you. So go check out Jay Sternberger, everybody. Uh, go check him out on Twitch. He's pretty damn active. And, you know, go follow him on the social medias and show him some love uh, and give him a big thank you for coming on this show. Also, in addition, um, so I have put down a link to the Kids First Fund, which is Jimbo Fisher's uh, charity. Uh, I will be donating all the ad revenue from that. So feel free to share this all around just so I put more money into it. Um and it goes to a great cause, and I implore you, if you're able, to donate to that as well. And when Jace eventually creates his uh, foundation, we'll definitely be supporting that as well. But you can always find me at TomGrossyComedy.com or at TomGrossyComedy. All social media is see down below. Check out podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and, of course, YouTube. And a big shout-out and thank you to all the Patreon members. We're at Patreon.com slash TomGrossyComedy. That's the easiest way to support me. It really, really helps out, allows me to do this. So... Big thank you to Jay Sternberger. A big thank you to you. I'm Tom Grassi. And as always, go Pack Go. (laughs) 